What is going on, everybody? It is Jason J. Bird Goldstein here for another episode of The Bird's Eye View. You might notice that little music. It means it is NFL Draft Week. That's right, the NFL Draft is finally here. I am so excited for it. I mean, this draft is going to be completely unpredictable. I actually have no idea what's going to happen. Every single person I'm texting, talking about the draft, says they truly have no clue what's going to happen. That They feel there's so many trades, there's so much that can happen, there could be a ton of shakeup. And a lot of people I've been talking to is, because I did that fan mock draft I've been teasing for the past couple episodes, well, it takes a, couple, it takes a little bit to do a fan mock draft. You have to, I have to find some fans on Twitter. That of, if I don't know a fan of a team, I have to find those fans on Twitter. Uh, certain fan bases I want to get a consensus and gauge. But that fan mock draft is finally completed along with my own mock draft. So I'm going to share both of those and compare the two of them. I will also be talking about the, both the Knicks and the Yankees along with who is hot and who is not in the MLB. And we're going to be talking some soccer. Uh, I'm currently watching the Real Madrid-Chelsea game right now as I'm recording this. So if there's a goal in this game, I will be providing live updates. And yeah, I mean... This draft, I'm really, really looking forward to it. There's only one thing that sucks. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to watch this draft. Uh, my sister's graduating this weekend. Very excited for her. You know, Exciting time for our family. We're going out to Ann Arbor Thursday night uh, to fly there, spend the weekend with my sister for graduation. So because of that, my flight will be during the NFL draft Thursday night, but I'll still be following along. Uh, I mean... You know, there's still a ton that's going to be going on, a ton of action. Cannot wait to see what the Giants do. Can't wait to see where my guy Justin Fields goes to. And just can't wait to see all the shakeups. So let's start getting into my fan mock draft. So uh, my friend Steve, he made the first pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Obviously, the Jaguars are going to be taking Trevor Lawrence in this scenario. A uh, few people that I've talked to about the Jets just wanted to confirm they want a Wilson. Yeah, they want Zach Wilson. Uh, I found a Niners fan through a mutual friend, and they take Justin Fields at three rather than Mac Jones, who I put Mac Jones at three, but uh, just simply because it seems at this point it's a that's a lock. But this kid, Isaiah, wanted Justin Fields at three. Uh, number four was a bit of a surprise. The Falcons went with Panay Sewell. Obviously, you know, he said... Trading back was his top choice, but we're not doing any trade backs in a fan mock draft. And it was just very surprising that Panay Sewell was the pick rather than a QB to wait for, rather than another weapon. So that one was definitely the first surprise of the draft. And it definitely made this next pick amongst Bengals fans I know easier. The consensus, they all wanted Jamar Chase. They have the Joe Burrow-Jamar Chase pairing. The Dolphins, Dan, we're a current guest of the program. He went with Kyle Pitts. Nick June uh, came, on the, came on the program to preview the Lions season a couple months ago. He went with Jalen Waddle here. I uh, reached out to some Panthers fans on Twitter. The consensus seemed to be they wanted Rashawn Slater. While the Broncos, their consensus was it seemed to be Trey Lance. Uh, Max Shinneberry, who came on the preview of the Dallas Cowboys before the season, he wants Patrick Sertain. Uh, and now we get to the Giants. So the fans in this scenario, they took Micah Parsons. And I agreed. 
I agree that Micah Parsons was the move to pick in this situation. But there's also a ton that I want with the Giants, regardless. Uh, there's still there still is some holes on this team, and I mean, my top choice for this team is gonna be. <clears throat> so there's definitely a lot of different directions the Giants could go here. Uh, my my top choice is Panay Sewell here. Uh, that that's a long shot. I know I put it in my last mock draft, but that was more wishful thinking. Uh, I would love it for Sean Slater can drop to us. I've seen that in some mocks, uh, but most of them have him going ahead. But in my opinion, offensive line should still be top priority. Andrew Thomas was not the best for the Giants last season, although he did show improvements along the course of the year. Uh, Matt Pert, I think he's nothing more than just a project. Well, Nate Soldier is on the wrong side of 30, and at this point he's really here to be a veteran presence in the locker room. So those offensive linemen are definitely – my top picks for the Giants. But again, there's lots of different directions they can go here. <clears throat> with the way this fan mock draft went, I obviously went with Micah Parsons, and most of my friends agree that Micah Parsons would have been the guy there based on who was available and who wasn't with both top linemen gone. And, you know, I, I'm not sure the Giants will do it. Obviously, Micah Parsons, there's been some reports about his character issues. And... There's all and the Giants after the DeAndre Baker saga and just historically tend out the draft these guys with those character issues. So Parsons might not happen. Obviously a lot of mocks have had Devonta Smith or Jalen Waddle go in there, whichever Bama receiver doesn't get taken. And I'll be fine with either of those. Obviously, you know, bolster the wide receiving core. Give Daniel Jones as many weapons as possible. And also what you're doing is you take Devonta Smith or Waddle, whichever receiver is available. You're blocking the Eagles from taking them, which is similar to what the Cowboys did last year in drafting C.D. Lamb. Uh, that being said, I am fine if we take one of these receivers. I think that creates a deep wide receiving core. We would have one of those Bama wide receivers, Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, Evan Ingram, Kyle Rudolph, Saquon Barkley. That's a lot of weapons. But the second most important position in football is offensive line. And without an offensive line, none of this can really come together. You know, I remember back in 2018 when the Giants drafted Saquon, a lot of people were looking at the prospect of an offense with Odell, Sterling Shepard, Brandon Marshall, Evan Ingram, Saquon Barkley. That's a very explosive lineup. However, the Giants had no offensive line, and Eli Manning was obviously... On the, at the end of his career, and the Giants were never able to do anything with those weapons. Uh, and so even if we had those weapons, if we have a Devonta Smith, Galladay, Shepard, Slayton, Ingram, uh, Saquon, that's still a ton of weapons. The offensive line is still going to need to hold up and give Daniel Jones time to throw. And again, I'm still not sold on Daniel Jones as the franchise quarterback. I don't, even, I don't know if even with all those weapons, it'll be enough for Daniel Jones, because I'm really not sold on him. They have the weapons set up for him to take that next step, but really, at this point, it's about what kind of quarterback he is. And if you add that offensive line, you're giving him that a solid set of weapons with a good offensive line. So, at that point, just no more excuses for Daniel Jones. So, that's really it because, you know, they add an offensive lineman, it adds more protection to Daniel Jones to utilize those weapons. They add more receivers, it's more weapons on this offense, but if the offensive line doesn't pan out, Again, it, it, it could be another year of, is it Daniel Jones' fault? Is it the offensive line's fault? And then there's just some other things I've seen mocked to the Giants. 
So I have I haven't seen too much of offensive linemen mocked to us, mostly because I've seen a lot of Slater going before the Giants pick. Although I would love to get Darisaw or possibly Vera Tucker at that next pick because they would either one of those guys would be very very helpful to this team and what they're trying to do. Because uh, just building the offensive line, especially Vera Tucker, who's a very versatile lineman, it could could possibly slot inside if we believe that's where he's best suited. Uh, I've seen, I've heard, I've heard JC's horror name thrown around the past couple days, and that surprises me. The Giants just have a loaded secondary. You know, Darnay Holmes was very solid out of the slot last year for a fifth round pick. They also have Julian Love on this team, who's been getting better and better every year. I think J.C. Horn is going to be a fine player, but I don't think he's worth drafting at 11 for the Giants. Although, if Sertain were available, I think Sertain is a can't-miss corner, and I would take him at 11, but I'd have no qualms about it. But I highly doubt he's there. And then I've obviously seen edge rushers. That's At this point, that's probably our biggest or second biggest need as an edge rusher. The problem is, I'm really not a fan of the edge rushers in this draft. Quiddy Pay, I don't love his style. I don't feel he's that explosive. I mean, I could be wrong about him, but I, I don't think he'd fit really well on the Giants. You know, Rousseau had a I think he has a very high ceiling. He had an incredible sophomore year at Miami. Excuse me. His was it a, I think it was his redshirt freshman year at Miami. But that was the only year he's played at Miami. This guy's played one year of college football, and that gets me very, very nervous to draft a defensive end, especially a guy, you know, he just sat out the past year. Well, obviously he's not sitting on his ass doing nothing. It still worries me that he really has just one year of college football under his belt. And what a goal from Chelsea to take a one to nothing lead. Is that, was that Pulisic? Yes, it was. Christian Pulisic, the American, with a goal for Chelsea. That's right. Champions League is back on, which we're going to get into at the end of the show. This is still the mock draft. But, yeah, we have some Champions League going on, which is nice because it was almost threatened. But what a goal from Pulisic. I mean, he had that going all the way. Uh, what Was he offsides? He might have been offsides. If he was, I'll update the listeners. Uh, but yeah, so that's really it with the Giants. Uh, Rousseau, again, has a high ceiling, but I'm skeptical of him. I've also heard that we could trade back. Uh, Gettleman says, oh, Gettleman was saying some shit on the radio. Oh, yeah, I don't want to trade back. I don't want to get fleeced. I don't want to get fleeced. Like, so he's never traded back or traded up, Gettleman, so I doubt that's going to happen. Although the Chargers Twitter account did tweet out a trade that happened. It's possible the Chargers and Giants have a trade in place for if the Chargers guy falls to the Giants. Uh, speaking of the Chargers, Andrew Mendelson, he took Christian Darisol in the mock draft at the thir- at uh, 13. Excuse me, I, p- I skipped the 12th pick, which ended up being Devonta Smith, who he had the second most votes. He had the se- Devonta Smith had the second most votes amongst uh, jo- amongst players for who the Giants faithful wanted, but it was par- it was Parsons and Smith is going to be going to the Eagles in this mock draft. Uh, picking at 14, the Minnesota Vikings, Stephen Wang, he took Quiddy Pay. And we're up to the Patriots, where we had, you went, I had two guys make the pick. Ewan Sellers came on preseason to talk the Patriots. Mike Mack, the college basketball expert, uh, they both went with Mac Jones. 
Uh, by the way, it was not offsides. It is still one nothing Chelsea after a great goal from Pulisic. Should have taken them. Should have taken them money line, not Real Madrid money line. But uh, fuck, that's that's on me. That's on me. Should have, should have, could have, would have. Uh, the 16th pick, the Cardinals. Uh, my uncle is a Cardinals fan and also a Raiders fan, living a good portion of his life in Arizona and now being in Vegas. So he made both these picks. He sent Jace Horn to the Cardinals along with Jason Owa to the Raiders, citing the need for a pass rusher. Uh, Dan, with the Dolphins' second pick, went with Owusu. Uh, I, I still don't know how to say part of his last name, but the linebacker from Notre Dame. I can't even be mad that I can't even be mad about my that might not hit because it was Pulisic who scored that. Uh, so then the Washington football team. Uh, this was a surprise pick to be honest. So I had reoccurring guest Mac Phillips and my friend Evan Razor, both who came on the preview of the Washington football team preseason. They both went with uh, Rashad Bateman, a very surprising pick for the Washington football team, considering a lot of other holes. And I know there was a lot of people who wanted Rashad Bateman. Uh, and later in the draft, and we're pissed that he was gone. Uh, one of those being Akshay, who came on the preview of the Bears season. He picked Greg Newsom the third as his pick. Wonder if there's a little bias there because he's also a Northwestern fan. But Greg Newsom the third is a very solid corner. Sam Block, he came on and he picked Elijah Vera Tucker for the Colts. An excellent pick. I can't believe he fell all the way to 21st in this fan mock draft because that's for the Colts to pick an offensive lineman. Especially a guy of that stature. Really good. Uh, so the Titans, I actually read a Titans Wire article. And it was basically who he's, this guy who he felt the Titans should pick at 22. And he had, towards the top of his list was Caleb Farley, who was still available in this mock draft. Obviously, Caleb Farley has fallen. Lots of concerns about his back, but there's no doubt he's still one of the more special players. At 23, I asked some Jets fans, and the consensus they went with was Travis Etienne. So none of these Jets fans said, oh, I think they're, we're going to pick ETN, but that's who I want. So because of that, I went with Travis ETN. Uh, two running backs go in this fan mock as Max Thomas takes Najee Harris to help complete the Steelers' offense. Uh, my friend Steve, he comes back for the Jaguars' second pick, and he takes Mo Rig, the safety from, from uh, TCU, to really complete that Jacksonville defense and start adding more pieces. The Browns faithful, a lot of them were frustrated. A lot of those guys wanted Bateman too. Uh, some of them also really wanted uh, Newsom the third, along with Jets fans. So I think Newsom the third probably would have went to the Jets. Uh, but because of that reason, he took the, a lot of my the, the Browns fans. I was getting a lot of different results here. I had I asked like six people, and I got five different guys. I got two people give me Asante Samuel Jr. So that's the pick. Uh, so a uh, Ravens, uh, his name is Quinn. He's a friend of Mac and Justin Pora. He picked over. He picked for the Ravens. He is. He says Aziz Ojulari as their first pick. Obviously, the Ravens do need a pass rusher. I was looking at their depth chart. They definitely do need some help in the pass rush. Uh, another someone I know from Ohio State and who went to my same hometown, Ross Pila. He picks Tyson Campbell to the other the Saints. Very surprised there. I was not sure if the Saints necessarily needed a corner, but he went with that. Uh, Bill's Twitter went with Tevin Jenkins. Quinn, he went with Creed Humphrey for the Ravens. So 
building that offensive line that add more to it and block for Lamar. Really surprising one with no wide receiver here, especially considering Rondell Moore was available, who Bucks Twitter took at 32. So that was an interesting fan mock draft, and now I'm going to go with my mock draft and see what I had different. So one and two were roughly – I had one and two obviously the same with Wilson and Trevor Lawrence. I think everyone knows they're going to be one and two. Uh, the third pick, I, uh, I said Mac Jones just because that's what I believe is going to happen. It seems like it's pretty much a lot to happen, although I would pick Fields here. Uh, at four, I have Micah Parsons going to the Falcons. Look, I know, look, the Sewell pick was a little confusing to me in the fan mock draft. Uh, they have a ton of holes on defense, Atlanta does. And, I mean, Kyle Pitts, what does he add at tight end, really, to this offense? I don't think, I mean, yeah, he, he adds a lot. He adds a lot. I, 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 I phrased that wrong. But this is already an explosive offense, and I saw a tweet. Who's stopping this projected offense? And the response is Atlanta. They beat themselves, and their defense is constantly cost them game after game. Obviously, the ideal spot here is to trade back. I'm not doing trade backs in this draft, but in my opinion, if you want to trade, if you're trying to trade back, it's because the guy you think is going to be available, where you would trade back to. Well, I mean, you take that guy and you take Micah Parsons here if you're the Falcons. Uh, while the fans for the Bengals said Jamar Chase, I think they have to go with Penny Sewell here. Now, look, as a college football fan, I would love to see. Joey Burrow and Jamar Chase reunited together. I mean, that would be awesome. But in my opinion, Joe Burrow tore his ACL last year, had one of the worst offensive lines, and yeah, they added Riley Reef in the offseason, and they have Jonah Williams still. But Jonah Williams has not been that good. In my opinion, as enticing as it is to reunite the Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, the Bengals have to go with Penny Sewell here and get a guy who I think is a potential once-in-a-generation offensive lineman prospect. And Chelsea nearly scored again to make it 2-0. Uh, so because, uh, you know, Pitts was the pick from Dan, uh, I honestly now, with the with the Dolphins trading Eric Flowers to the Washington football team, I would have put uh, Sewell here if the Bengals went with Chase. And I think Dan might have done that as well, but, you know, this was a while ago, and I'm not going to change the whole mock draft up. But so I'm putting so at this time take Jamar Chase. I think Jamar Chase is a, is a better prospect than Pitts. I think he's going to be a freak of a wide receiver. LSU has a great track record of wide receivers doing big things in the NFL. So my opinion, you know, with obviously Chase now on the board, you take him at six. I'm sticking with taking Jalen Waddle at seven, uh, much like Nick June did with the eighth pick. So the fans said Rashawn Slater, and because of that. Uh, you know, I, I was tempted to say Slater here, but I think they take Kyle Pitts. I mean, you add you add Kyle Pitts to a weaponry of CMC. You add him to a weaponry of uh, Robbie Anderson, who had a big season last year, who's also reunited with Sam Donald. Those two have chemistry. And DJ Moore, who, although is universally hated in my group chat, is a decent wide receiver, I guess. Uh, but regardless, that you know that's still a lot of weapons, and that gives Donald weapons with Taylor Ma and still a tackle. Uh, I have the I have the Broncos going with Fields here, and you know the fan mock draft has the Broncos going Lance. If Fields was available, Fields would went to the Broncos in that fan mock. Cowboys, I have them taking Sertain as well, and you know I've been saying that if Slater is available here, 
the Giants should take Slater. I have Slater available in this in my mock in my personal mock draft. So thus, I think we would take we would take Slater at eleven, or I sure as I hope we would take Slater at eleven. Then I would have the Eagles taking Devonta Smith, agreeing with the fans. Uh, I would have the Chargers taking Vera Tucker. So similar to Mendelssohn, taking that offensive lineman at three. I know most people like Darisol better, but I'm a huge Vera Tucker guy. I'm really, I think he's the third best lineman in this draft, and his, and possibly he could be better than Rashawn Slater will be. Uh, so that's just a personal opinion. The 14th pick, I'm also putting Quiddy Pay on the Vikings. I think Quiddy Pay will be fitting well there. They do need an edge rusher, and he kind of fits that Viking pass rushing style. Uh, I have the Patriots taking Trey Lance in my mock draft. Uh, similar, similar to the Justin Fields thing. Trey Lance is available here, uh, while Mac Jones is available in that fan mock draft. So it's just a simple spot where, regardless, they were taking a QB. I have the Cardinals taking Horn. Uh, the Raiders, I have them taking Owusu. It seemed, I've seen him mock to them a ton, and I think his overall athletic ability and his way that he can cover different parts of the field will be more valuable to the Raiders than Jason Owa. That my uncle picked. Uh, the Dolphins... You know, with Owusu gone, uh, Dan thinks that they could go Najee Harris here, and I can see that happening. But I think they're going to continue to build that defense, add more pass rushers. And I do think that they keep Gregory Russo in Miami and draft him, which I believe I had that in my last mock draft. Uh, Washington football team, I think if Darisol is available at 19, uh, you take him. Actually, I might put Darisol up in, up to Miami. I might switch Darisol up to Miami now that Eric Flowers Got traded. In fact, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make Christian Darisol a uh, Miami Dolphin. And, yeah, because that, 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 that's a good move for them. Uh, the Washington football team. So, for that reason, I will have them taking... Uh, I'll have them taking Tevin Jenkins. I think that they're going to want to add an offensive lineman. And adding Tevin Jenkins really will... Improve this. Actually, no, because they just added Eric Flowers. So why would they take an offensive lineman? Uh, oh boy. Uh, let's see who they could take there. Uh, you know, screw. I will give them. I, I'm just gonna keep it the way I had it. I'm just gonna keep it as Rousseau to Miami, Darius on the Washington to the Washington football team. It's too complicated to change it now because this trade happened while I started. While like, right before I started recording. Uh, the Colts, actually the Bears, I have them taking Caleb Farley. You know, I think he still is the third best corner in this draft, possibly the second best corner in this draft. And the Bears are, seem to be the team that will take that risk on a guy who has injury concerns. Then there's the Colts. So I would have them taking a lineman, an offensive lineman here. And they still very well could. Uh, especially, you know, Vera Tucker is there. Easily take him. But I haven't taken Jalen Phillips, the pass rusher from Miami. Obviously, pass rusher is a huge need for them. They don't have Justin Houston anymore. So I think they're going to need to draft a pass rusher to take his place. And with how deep this class is in offensive linemen, I think they're more willing to wait and try to find an offensive lineman. The Titans, so I have them taking Newsome. Uh, honestly, it's, so basically I just have the Titans and Bears swapping picks. I think the Jets really need a corner, so I, I see why a lot of Jets fans want a new sum in the mock draft. 
uh, with him not being there. I think they still got to take Asante Samuel Jr. Uh, just because he is going to be really damn good, I think. Like, really, really good. I mean, his father was a beast. Uh, and I, I really, really like Asante Samuel Jr. actually a lot. And the Jets just need a corner badly. The defense, they've, they've added some pieces. The run defense with Quinton Williams and Shona Rankins can be good. Obviously, the linebackers will get C.J. Mosley back. <laughs> Offensive line could be in a could be a position of need here to protect Zach Wilson. Maybe even add Rashad Bateman to give him a weapon, or even you know add Etienne or Najee Harris to give him a complimentary running back. But I just think that get a cornerback, which the Jets have needed, and which the Jets are always built on defense. Go get Asante Samuel and take a wide receiver at the top of the second round if you're the Jets with all the guys that will be available because there's still there's you'll still get a Terrence Marshall, a Rondell Moore, even maybe a Bateman, uh Kadarius Tony. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. What a beautiful bicycle kick. Kareem Benzema just oh my god. An absolute beauty from Benzema to tie this game at one. Oh my goodness. I gotta see the replay of this. Wow. Oh. That's a bicycle kick in traffic. Wow. And also the passing, the, the head passing there was just beautiful. Just beautiful from the Real Madrid players. What a goal. Wow. Uh, that was that was incredible. Uh, so w where was I with the NFL? Uh, the Jets taking Asante Samuel Jr. There's a lot of guys they can go here, but I think there'll be receiving options or offensive line options at the top of the second round. Then I have the Steelers taking Najee Harris once again. Jaguars taking Moberg once again. And even though Browns fans want a Bateman, I think that the guy here is Osai. I think he's a more athletic linebacker. They don't. I know the Browns don't love those older guys, which means they'll probably won't take Zaven Collins. But I think Joseph Asai fits the Browns system. I think Corbin. That's who Corbin said he wanted. And the Browns do need a linebacker, so I have them taking Asai here. Ravens. They get Rashad Bateman falling to them. I know Lamar Jackson is dancing the locker room right now because I think Rashad Bateman has the potential to be the second best wide receiver in this draft. He's that good. He is an athletic freak on the outside. And, gosh, just what a great goal from Benzema. And I think for the Ravens to get him at 27, they would be thrilled. Uh, I mean, it's possible the Browns take him. There's a reason why Browns fans want him. And how the Jets could take him at 23. There's a legit chance he goes up there. Or even the Titans at 22. Like, he's a good player. He's a damn good player. Uh, let's see. The Saints... So some of my last mock draft, I have a surprise them taking Pat Freemuth. I think they want to get more blocking for Winston, more weapons for Winston. I think somehow tight ends always tend to go late in the round. I think the Saints make a surprise move and pick him. Uh, the Packers, I have them going with Olujari. They do need some pass rushing help. Uh, it seems that that would have been a good pick. I think Colin Cunningham would have loved to have taken him if he was available at that time. But he didn't, but he wasn't, and I think he's available here. And Ojulari will be a great pick pickup for the Packers in this mock draft. Uh, the Bills, similar to the fans, I have him getting Tevin Jenkins. Uh, just the, I was gonna put him up to the I was gonna put him up 
to the Washington football team. But then I realized that the whole the whole trade screwed everything up. Uh, the Ravens, I have them taking a lineman to replace Orlando Brown since they traded him for this 31st pick. They get Jalen Mayfield. And the Bucks. I thought about going with the fans and taking Rondale Moore. But I'm going to go with Zaven Collins here just to add another athletic piece to that defense. So that's it. That is uh, the official, the final Jaybird mock draft, actually. Uh, there's a lot. There's definitely a lot that can happen in this draft. Nobody really knows. It's one of the most unpredictable drafts in a while. And kind of support, I'm going to miss it for graduation. But I mean, it's, I'm not missing it for the graduation. I miss it for the flight. But hey, it's going to be a special weekend. And I'll follow the draft on my phone. I'll... I'll if I need to, I'll buy the Wi-Fi. Let's move on now to the NBA, where the Knicks have just been, they've been so much fun to watch, and the winning streak ended at 9 yesterday, it was a tough loss to the Suns, we get off to the incredible start, Reggie Bullock can't miss early, the Knicks open up a pretty big first quarter lead, obviously a big lead in the first quarter, doesn't mean shit really in the NBA, uh... And the Suns, you know, chipped into the lead by halftime. It's a competitive game, and competitive game up until the fourth quarter. Especially, you know, Devin Booker really had a fantastic game. Was balling out for the Suns through the first three quarters of this game. Uh, but, but in the fourth quarter, you know, he slowed down a bit, and it was the other guys who beat us. Cameron Johnson, he started 0-7 this game. Then all of a sudden he hits three straight threes. Suns sort of start to build a lead. But the Knicks, with that gritty defense, cut back into the lead. They make it a three-point game, or make it a four-point game. But CP3 all of a sudden starts to put daggers in our hearts. First, he hits a jumper to make it a six-point game with 123 left. But this gritty Knicks team fights back. Randall drills a three. It's a three-point game. But, you know, the Knicks, great defense once again. They might force the Suns into a turnover. CP3 has to chuck up some circus, ridiculous shot with the defense draped all over him. Hits it. Hits it at the shot clock buzzer. They're up five with 45 seconds left. Knicks have a really bad turnover. They're down five. They're trying to stop Chris Paul. He'll get the ball back. And he pulls up from three as soon as he shot it. I just said that's good. Hits the three. His third straight shot. Eight, the final eight points for the Suns to close us out. Put the dagger in our hearts. And it was a tough loss. Uh, I'm not going to lie. But hey, look, we went on a nine-game winning streak. I mean, that nine-game winning streak was the most fun I've ever had as a Knicks fan. I mean, that 12-13 team was fun, and it was really good. But because no one expected this team to be remotely close to where they are, this team has just been that much more fun to watch. I mean, I was at MSG for the game on Saturday against the Raptors. 2,000 people there, and I felt like I was at a packed house. I've been having so much fun watching the Knicks. By far the most, probably the most fun I've ever, the most fun I've ever had watching the Knicks. The most invested I've been in this team in years, and I'm excited to actually watch New York Knicks playoff basketball. That's something I didn't think I'd be saying for another five years. I wouldn't know what would be coming first, my wedding or the next New York Knicks playoff game. For all I know, those things could have fallen on the same day, and if that did, well... Looks like I'd be switching my wedding. <laughs> but, uh, again, like, it was, what, what a fun win streak. Uh, you know, when I last recorded, it was at a seven-game winning streak. And then since then, we had the Raptors and the Hawks game. 
So the Raptors game was just incredible. Uh, first off, just was what a comeback that game was. Obviously, Trey Young getting hurt helped us come back in that game. But that fourth quarter, all the turnovers the Knicks were forcing, all the stops, all the big shots they hit, you just heard the garden erupt. I mean, that game was like a playoff game. Had they won that game, they were going to move into the fourth spot in the Eastern Conference. So it had that playoffs atmosphere against the Hawks. It felt like you were watching a game seven in MSG. And they came back over, once it was overtime, the Knicks dominated the rest of the way. They'd stopped the Hawks nearly every possession, forcing turnovers, forcing bad shots. They hit their threes, and everybody was scoring this game. Randall was a beast once again, dropping 40 points. Uh, Derek Rose, he had 21 points. So did IQ. Bullock had 18. First of all, just how about Derek Rose? The last six games, he shot over 50%, and he's been sparking these reserves. I mean, he's play, he's officially so he's not starting over Alfred Payton, but he's getting a majority of the minutes over over Alfred Payton. Finally, like this is what we've been waiting for. No more Payton to be playing, and it's been paying dividends. He's provided great veteran leadership. He's playing some of the best basketball of his career. You know, he's hitting threes. He's driving to the basket. He's finding the open man. He's making good passes, and he's been a great mentor for guys like Quickly, guys like R.J. Barrett, guys like Obi Toppin. He's been this. This just this good, and it's been really awesome. You know, I just mentioned that I was at that game Saturday in MSG, and that was the first game I went. You know, I've been told I haven't haven't been invested in this team in years. The last game I went to was seven years ago, 2014. That team had Raymond Felton, Mello, Amari Stoudemire, Tyson Chandler, J.R. Smith, Iman Shumpert, Pablo Prigioli. Yeah, so that was a, that was an old team. This was before anyone who even knew who Porzingis was. This is before, so it's been a long time since I've been at, at a Knicks game. And again, this game was just awesome. Randall had another great game. Any shot he hit, the garden blew up. Any time we were on, I mean, it's literally, you know, when you hear the defense chants on TV, it is as loud as you think it is. It is every possession the defense chants. It's not just close games. It's from tip-off to the final buzzer Knicks fans are chanting defense because, A, that team has been predicated on defense, and B, they just want their team to shut down and play hard every play, which they've done. And hell, Rose had a good game that game. Hell, even Obi Toppin had some nice plays that really electrified the Garden. We all got really hyped when Toppin was hitting some shots. No one's Noel. He had four blocks in that game. Anytime he got a block, that Arena went nuts. And it was a fun game. Honestly, though, party a little too hard. You know, wish I could have remembered it a bit more. And just. I can't believe that this team has been as good as we are. Uh, you know, just we, the success of this team. We're almost, we're, we're almost certainly that it's almost certain we're going to have a winning record. Obviously, we have a tough portion of our schedule coming up. A six-game West Coast road trip. Five of those teams in the playoffs. But if this team gets that winning record, and honestly, with just this recent run, Tom Thibodeau has to be the lock for Coach of the Year again. Monty Williams and Quinn Snyder have overachieved for the Suns and the Hawks, or the Suns and the Jazz, excuse me. But no one expected this Knicks team to push for even a play-in tournament game. Their over-under win total at the start of the season was 23. They're at 35 right now. It's just been an incredible season. In my opinion, Thibodeau is easily the coach of the year. And while I've said, oh, guys like Jeremy Grant, Christian Wood have had good seasons, what Randall has done, the way he's elevated his game to the next level – 
Randall has to win the most improved player of the year. He's not just improved his scoring. He's improved how he scores, adding that three-point shot to his game. He's, be he's improved his rebounding skills even, and he's become such a proficient passer, having multiple triple-doubles this season. Randall has to be the most improved player of the year this season. And Thibodeau has to be the coach of the year. Uh, so, and also, he, he can make an All-NBA team. Randall can make a freaking All-NBA team this year. I mean, you know, obviously the Forge, Giannis is going to be on the All-NBA first team, but with guys like LeBron and KD missing time, uh, the forward spot is pretty open, and Randall could take one of those spots and be second or third team. Hell, he might get some MVP votes. No, he's not going to be a finalist, but there could be a sixth, seventh, eighth place vote for Randall. I was going to do who is hot or who, and who is not. I'm going to do that for the MLB. Here I'm kind of just going to sort out, like, the playoffs. Because right now the playoffs are just a shit show. Uh, we know it, it, we kind of seem like we know who the 10 teams in the Western Conference are going to be. Uh, the Pelicans are four back of that 10 spot. And there's 10 or 11 games left. Doesn't seem like they're going to make it. Uh, but a lot of races still need to be figured out. That's Jazz, Suns, and Clippers. Or it's a three-team race, all for the number one seed now. Just separated by separated by two games. While the Jazz look to be cruising to that one seed, they've fallen back down to earth this season. While the Clippers and Suns have played incredible basketball, and with Donovan Mitchell out, it's going to slow the Jazz's roll. Nuggets-Lakers appear to be set for a 4-5 duel, although the Nuggets are just three back of two and two back of three, so they could potentially push for one of those seeds. Uh, the Lakers, they do have just a two-and-a-half game lead over the Mavs for that six for the five seed and just three-and-a-half over Portland for the seven seed. But with LeBron coming back I f relatively soon, I think it's fair to assume that the Lakers will hold on to their spot. Six through ten, though, is just a mess. So it appears the six through, six through ten, the remaining teams in will be the Mavericks, the Blazers, the Grizzlies, the Spurs, and the Warriors. It's just a matter of the order. I mean, they're all separated by two and a half games right now, and it's going to be a fun final 10 or 11 games between these teams because obviously you know how the playing tournament works by now. The sixth seed is in the, is in the tournament, is in the playoffs, while seven through 10 need to play that playing tourney. Those five teams are going to be battling for that sixth seed because no one wants to get stuck in that playing tournament and having to win one, possibly two games just to get in. While if you're the sixth seed, you're safely in. Wow. Just, you know, Portland, the way they've slumped lately is very surprising, especially that they're just 500 at home now, and they have their guys back. And the concern of how well they play without everyone, it's pretty surprising to see them struggle now. The East is also just a freaking mess, though. Uh, the Nets and the Sixers, they're fighting for the one seed. The Nets have just a one-game lead. Uh, the Bucks appear to be the only team where you really know where they're going to be. They appear to be locked into the three seed. Uh, the four seed is just, like... A mess. The Knicks and the Hawks are tied because although the Knicks went on this nine-game winning streak, the Hawks still remained pretty hot during the winning streak as well. And the Celtics got hot too during their winning streak, so they're just one and a half games back. And the Heat are two. Even the Hornets and the Pelicans, oh, excuse me, the Hornets and the Pacers are just three back, three and four back respectively. And for the Hornets and Pacers, the climb up to four might be hard, but they're just... To one game, one and a half, two and a half games back of that six spot. So four through nine is going to be a mess with who's going to get home court in the first round, 
who's going to get the last two buys, which two teams are going to get stuck in that play-in tourney. And whoever gets stuck in that play-in tourney is going to have to face one of the Wizards, Bulls, or Raptors. The Wizards are 27-34, but they hold that 10 spot, while the Raptors, or, while the Raptors and Bulls are just one game back uh, for the play-in tournament. So it's just a whole mess, and it's going to be a fun final two weeks to sort out the rest of this regular season with another day, with one more edition of who is hot and who is not to come. Uh, with baseball, though, we're going to say, talk about the Yankees. They take the series in Cleveland. It's just their second series win of the year, and the offense looked better, no doubt. Uh, Thursday and Friday, both of them looked like got three nothing holes. And with how bad the offense has been this year, a 3 nothing hole feels insurmountable. But both those games, they fought, at, they fought back at, to make it 3-3 games relatively quickly. Now, Friday or Thursday's game, Domingo Herman has a really rough outing in the first inning to give up those three earned runs. After we, after we tie to make it 3-3 in the third, the Yankees eventually get timely hitting. Surprising. We got timely hitting in this game. It wasn't even the home run ball that was winning us this, but the timely hits from guys like Glaber Torres, DJ LeMayhew, and Herman looked solid. He ended up going six innings after that really rough first inning. Again, Friday, we're down 3 nothing. Uh, Montgomery did, nearly did not settle in the way Herman did. It was out of the game by the fifth inning. But the bullpen was fantastic. And this felt like the Yankees, where they won predicate on the home run ball. Yeah, like down 3 nothing. Hicks and Odor hit home runs. And this game eventually gets tied at three in the second inning. And Stan, he mashed two solo shots just... Two bullets of solo shots to make it a 5-3 to three game. And it was classic mash, mash, mash. Turn to the bullpen early. And the bullpen just allowed one hit and four and a third. Allowing the Yankees to hold on. And game three was just an awesome pitcher's duel between the second and third best pitchers in baseball. Garrett Cole and Shane Bieber. DeGrom is number one. I mean, come on. A game you expect. A pitcher's duel that's low scoring. Look, I mean, home runs are fun. Runs are fun, but watching a pitcher's duel between two of the best pitchers in baseball is so much fun to watch. I mean, seeing Shane Bieber, the way he can paint the corner with his curveball, it's truly a work of art. Seeing Garrett Cole just make hitters look lost, it's a beautiful thing to see. And really, the only difference for the Yankees came, Odor and Hicks went back-to-back -back in the fifth inning, and that's why the Yankees won this game 2-1. to one. But watching, two of the, watching the second and third best pitcher go at it, was just awesome. He, they both absolutely shoved this game. And then shout out to Johnny Loisica, who continues to be great out of the bullpen this year, recording a four-out save for the Yankees and helping us move on to win the series and win three in a row and finally just start some momentum. Uh, before I recap finishing this series, it is 1-1 at the half of this game. Uh, the series finale sucked. You know, we got up 3 nothing, and then Talion was the one who blew it. He just didn't have his stuff. Boone brought in Nick Nelson, and he pretty much punted the game away. Okay, you, you want to bring in Nick Nelson there, fine. But when Nick Nelson's struggling, get somebody else in there. Don't leave him in to just get beat and let the game get away from us. You know, we, we've seen Boone do this before, where we're trailing by one or two runs, and the guy, and he brings in a Nick Nelson or a not-so-good reliever. Okay, have that guy. Okay, you know, you don't want to bring one of our high leverage relievers to, in case we can get a lead, that's fine. 
But you see Nelson struggling. Get him out of the game before it becomes nothing. Instead, he punts the game away, and a, t- a one the two run game becomes a three, four, five run game, which is the case that happened here. It's Boone has done this a lot in his tenure as the Yankees manager, and it's been very frustrating. Uh, and look, it was just you know they it was a strong they had a strong fourth inning, and from there they had one hit the rest of the way. And again, I'm really not going to be mad about uh, that game because they, they took three out of four. Uh, from the Indians, and although they have a great record at Progressive Field, recent memory is fe- feels like we always struggle there. But then last night, last night was just a shame. The Yankees have been great historically in Camden Yards. You're going up against Matt Harvey and his 5-12 ERA. Matt Harvey, who's been all around the league since 2018, and yet he looks like the 2015 Matt Harvey, who was known as the Dark Knight against this Yankees lineup. He allows just one run, three hits. I mean, how the hell are you doing that against Matt Harvey? That's pathetic. Absolutely pathetic. Some people want to complain about, oh, the umpire hurt the Yankees in this game. No, no. Don't blame on what the umpire did. You blame it on yourselves for scoring one run off Matt freaking Harvey. One of the worst pitchers in baseball. He was a guy whose ceiling was incredibly, incredibly high. But he fell off the face of the earth. He has not been able to find a home, but yet against Baltimore... He looked like the kid that was so promising in 2015. Absolutely embarrassing that was. That, that was the worst loss of the year, in my opinion. Because you're letting one of the worst pitchers in baseball shut you down. And, you know, there, there was idiot. There was, it wasn't even just him. We did some pretty stupid stuff, too. The balk. I mean, what are you doing balking in the year 2021, which prevented a double play from happening, allowed another run to score, and then Aaron Judge, you know, the, the plant with the umpire, DJ LeMahieu is home, uh, you know, rounds home, but Aaron Judge decides to go to third unnecessarily, gets called out at third, and apparently he was he got out at third before LeMahieu crossed home plate, thus again the DJ LeMahieu run, and that was a bad call, but it was worse because the umpires didn't ask Boone if they wanted to challenge the play, and that was frustrating. It, it got Boone fired up, and finally Boone actually got fired up and did something, got in the umpire's face and got tossed. It's about time you show some emotion, Aaron Boone. And how does the team respond after that? Losing this game. They, they don't rally around the manager. You thought maybe he would light a fire. That would light a fire in the guys. But nope. They just they, they beat themselves in this game again. Just, I mean, the, the Aaron Judge, what was he doing? He should not have even been rounding second to begin with. He should have stayed at second. You were in scoring position where a single gets you home. Stupid, stupid play by Aaron Judge. I mean, seriously, what the hell was that? And look, I, I mean, I, 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 the, uh, just, uh, you know, we, we, we thought things were turned around after winning the three out of four, and the offense just put up this stinker. And look, I'll be honest, I really don't know where what to make of this team, because even when they're winning three out of four, it didn't feel sexy. The, the, there's still a lot of issues with this team. Kluber and Tyon have sort of been let down to this point, and I'm really not confident in either guy to do something. Uh, you know, Monty, he's been a mixed bag this season, and that's kind of been the story of his career. And hopefully Herman's start against the Indians could be a trend of things in the right direction, and maybe he can find his 2018 form. But, again, no one's really rooting for Domingo Herman to do well. Uh, but at this point, it's looking like we're going to have to add a top guy to the rotation at the deadline. We've been quiet the last few deadlines, but if a top starter becomes available, we might have to pull the trigger and bite on him. 
And even so, like the lineup has a lot of holes too. It's I don't know if the lineup's ever gonna get it right. We're so right-handed heavy. We're so home run reliant, and in an era with less juice balls now, I don't know if the Yankees are gonna how the Yankees are gonna respond. Uh, look, maybe we, maybe we should trade a Clint in the off season. I love Clint, but I was not against the idea of trading him for a top line starter, maybe a big left handed bat. You know, tr- trade him for a top line starter and sign Michael Brantley. I would have loved that. Uh, just I, this team, they they have a lot of issues, and obviously it's still April. They can they have plenty of time to write the ship, but. It's been frustrating. Uh, I was going to do who is hot or who is not, but this has been a long show, so I'll wait until next week's shows to continue that. Uh, but just, you know, Dodgers, Padres, I want to touch on that series. It's an awesome series. Padres take three out of four. It's baseball's best rivalry. The Tatis, the peeking and seeing the sun or whatever, te- teasing Bauer. But at least the two, you know, they're having fun. They're growing the game. And they had the incredible comeback on Sunday as well, which really was awesome. Uh, soccer now. No more Super League. That's right. The Super League is no more. Now, Chelsea, you know, I don't really like them, but I'll give you credit. They were the first team to bow out. And from there, City followed suit pretty quickly. Then Liverpool, United, and the rest of the Premier League teams followed out. And the Super League died. The people spoke. The protests of the people. They worked. They worked their butts off to get this Super League out of, out of here. And we did it, folks. I mean, the British, the British, we love you guys. They stood outside. They protested. They complained. They, they held rallies and protests. And that's what made all the change. And what a day that was. I mean, that Tuesday, I was pretty busy with work. Also, I see on my phone, protests outside of... Uh, Protests outside of uh, Old Trafford. Protests outside of Ansfield. Oh, Ed Woodward resigned. Just so much craziness going on. It was, just, what a day. And I'm glad there's no more Super League. And now I'm getting to watch the Champions League right now, which is a one-on-one game at the half, where hopefully Real Madrid pulled off the victory for me. And then tomorrow we have PSG Man City, which will be a really exciting matchup. Uh, the two best teams left, and... Yeah, excited for that. But right now, that's my show. I want to thank everybody who supported the podcast and listened thus far. Remember, go support Jay Bird's Eye View on Twitter for all my latest live reactions. Go follow the Bird's Eye View podcast on Instagram for all my latest live episode drops. Thank you, everybody, and have a great rest of your day. Enjoy the NFL draft, hopefully for you and your teams, unless you're Washington football team, Dallas Cowboys, or Philadelphia Eagles fans. You guys make the right pick and continue to turn your franchise around. And... Enjoy the final couple weeks of the NBA season, everybody. Goodbye.